Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Sunday evening, moments after the Islanders 4-1 loss to Tampa Bay Lightning, is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, that was a spectacularly terrible weekend for the Islanders after what had been a pretty good week. And they're kind of right back to where they were for the majority of this season, where they, <laughs> they do well against the bad teams and then they play the good teams and become the bad team themselves so uh yeah it was it was not a fun weekend of hockey for islanders fans at all it, it's been a funny it was a funny build-up to this weekend uh with obviously the trade deadline and then uh, the islanders started to get some press from for the first time in months um because of the extensions to clutterbuck and parisi and kind of and i guess at the deadline you, the media does does a uh do they take stock of every team and where they are for the off season and they always say, oh, you know who's going to have a very interesting offseason. And then they, they name every team. Um, <laughs> but the Islanders have been one of those teams uh, kind of up the jump. And even like on Sirius Radio, I've heard Mart- Martin Biron, like I turned the car on and he was talking about the Islanders offseason. And I, I'm just su- surprised that and, – and, you know, you and I do rag on people for not paying attention or getting into the weeds with the Islanders as much uh, as they do maybe with other bigger teams. But um, I do kind of give credit to a bunch of people, I think, who have kind of – noted that the the actual strategy that the islanders are sticking to which is this season is an outlier you can go down the list of the biblical stuff that happened to them and um they're gonna, just going to run it back with this core and and it and it's almost like a logical move i was i'm shocked that the islanders haven't been panned this whole week mm. uh for what they did at the deadline or didn't do well they only get panned by the intelligentsia of twitter uh, in hockey Twitter, which is, you know, they only want moves. They want everybody traded all at once, except for, you know, Joe Thornton or Alex Ovechkin or Phil Kessel. Like those are the only guys that you're not allowed to say anything bad about, never say anything, you know, trade these guys. And, and the Islanders didn't never at the, the cool kids table. We've talked about that. We're going to get into, uh, the Lou Lamarello stuff from the trade deadline again in the second half, uh, now that we've actually had a chance to see it. But uh, yeah, I mean, like we said last week, I mean, if you were expecting big changes from this team at the trade deadline, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like there's, they were never going to do that. And uh, you know, to, to kind of expect them to all of a sudden just pull up stakes on a lot of these guys and get rid of them when they're being paid a lot, they're older, um that just wasn't realistic and it's nice i guess that people are kind of coming around to see that we were just watching the game on tnt and and i was kind of pleasantly surprised too at at how 
um, you know, they seem to be kind of, you know, understanding of the Islanders talk it, you know, seem to have some nice things to say. And Anson Carter, who's been covering for Butch Goring on the MSG uh, broadcast the last couple of days, I guess he's now seen the Islanders up close and gotten a chance to talk with them and, and you know, kind of likes what he's seen. I was afraid that uh, Bissonette was going to be, uh, you know, wearing like the Leafs tie and like, you know, getting getting angry and bringing up like John Tavares and stuff, but he actually didn't. He kind of kept it in check. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe it's just the everybody's just kind of, you know, kind of come to grips with what they are basically. And, and there's no point in raging against what they're not because they're never going to be that basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with mm. the, way, the way they recovered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe for the first time in a couple seasons now, since the first Barry Trotz season, I would say they, they, uh, the, a panel of national guys, uh, I mean, I know Anson Carter's with the team a lot, but like, like you said, I mean, I've, I've, I've got really very little time for Paul Bissonnette, but um, he, <laughs> he, he, I was expecting the same thing that he was going to, uh, you know, just do one of his uh, sticky kind of mm. things about how they're old. Oh, he's wearing time. a funny hat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, uh, yeah, he did it. Like, mm. and, and it, now it's kind of gonna it's gonna be interesting i think how they're handled i think i'm really interested uh, uh, from the betting perspective too yeah. um when this season ends as soon as the stanley cup is awarded you know bookmakers will put out odds for the next year and it's low limit so it's not like it's gonna it's gonna be anything crazy and it's more like just for like content fodder for uh you know sites just like like action network and such to be like yeah like you know the, the colorado avalanche are the favorite again next year whatever but i i mean the Islanders will always be longer odds than what they were going into this season when they were expected to be a contender. But if they're if they're much longer, I would expect them to be pretty popular pick again yeah. among people who um, who pay attention to this stuff and, and are going to buy low on a team that is going to remain relatively unchanged and could be upgraded and well has to be upgraded. Yeah, I was going to say I think it depends on on the upgrades um, that they you know make over the off season. But yeah, you know that and actually that it's funny because that almost might might be a benefit for the Islanders to come in with much lower yeah. expectations. And, and, you know, if people can win money off of it so much, the better. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, the big problem they've had, unfortunately this season is beating uh, the good teams. And we saw that on full display, unfortunately uh, over the course of the weekend, they lost uh, six to three to the Bruins on Saturday. The game wasn't really competitive. They might've been on the same kind of even playing field a little bit in the first period a little bit but craig smith scored uh four minutes in and from that point of course craig smith had to score against the islanders and uh the islanders played better for the, he's i know he's a favorite of yours so that's why he's i was just, now i watch him <laughs> he's just never doesn't score against the islanders yeah, it's unbelievable it, it's crazy it's crazy he's the new brad malone who also never scored ne- never not scored against the islanders but um from that point on they they played pretty well <laughs> they thought they, they were going to get it back Kyle Palmieri had maybe the worst weekend of any Islander in that he had his a goal called back in that game because he played with a high stick. Uh, and then in the Tampa Bay game, he was off sides and what we thought was the, the game tying goal seconds ago in the second period. We'll get there in a second. Um, but it was 2 nothing Bruins, and then Brock Nelson scored his 30th goal with 11 seconds to go. And you thought, oh, okay, well, 2-1 down, not that bad. Maybe, you know, they can salvage this and – Come out again strong. They had played strong a little bit in the first period. That didn't happen that way. Uh, two goals early. Pasternak and Marshan. Lee scored again. The second hottest Islander. Uh, he's got 11 goals in 11 games, or did before Sunday. Uh, and then the Bruins score twice more. Halla scores, and then DeBrusque sort of floats one over Varlamov's shoulder. And that was pretty much it. Zach Priest scored on the power play in the third period, and that was it. Samin Varlamov was great. He made 38 saves in a game where they lost six to three. I mean. Can't ask more than that. He he did his part, and unfortunately, nobody else really did. And so that made me very worried about Sunday's game because I was like, oh, great, I have to watch this now. And so I was working on a project in the basement while I had it on the iPad, which is very unusual for me. And um, they didn't play that poorly. Like, I thought they, they sort of played okay, at least through two periods. Um, it was, uh, it was t- um, 2-1 going into the third period. Again, we thought Pajot had scored to tie it up in the – uh, end of the second, but uh, turned out Palmieri was offside. So the first period, the Islanders, I thought, were very, very well and played very well. In fact, John Cooper was interviewed by Darren Pang, and uh, he was like, I thought we were playing well until that first TV timeout, and all of a sudden it's been all Islanders. So, you know, they they showed up. Like, they, they was a pretty even game, but 
the Lightning just do what they do, and they they found ways to get on rebounds. Nobody was covering them. I guess it's the way they found. And before you know it, in the blink of an eye, a two one game becomes a four one game, and that's how it ended. And that was it. So I mean, they they the Islanders played well. They they did as well as they could, um, but they lost. And that has been the theme of this season is just coming up short in big moments, which had been a theme for Barry Trotz going back three years was coming up big in big moments. This Islanders team has not, and guys are getting free in front of the net, getting the rebounds, keeping play alive in their zone. And it's just, you know, it's very, very indicative of how this season has gone. Some, some parts are okay, but ultimately they're just, they just come up short and that, that hasn't been the case over the last three years, but it has most definitely been the case this season, unfortunately. Yeah. It was a funny kind of juxtaposition too with the um the Bruins and Lightning being the teams right. that they played last year and um I think the Lightning game yeah if I'm if I'm a playoff team right now Bruins Lightning I want to play the Islanders like every night <laughs> um because they're a good team that's not going to be in the playoffs and but they play a style that you're going to see in the playoffs a lot so it's almost like you know good warm up friendly for for playoff hockey that they'll those teams will be playing um, and we'll need them to be playing it well because of who they'll be playing against come springtime. And uh, that, that the Bruins right now, by the way, are just, they, they're firing on all cylinders and it's right. just, it's, it just tells you how long an NHL season truly is like <laughs> an 82 game season. The, the Bruins have had, um, they were sluggish out of the gates. Then they had the Tuka Rask thing. They had the COVID issues um, as well. And now they're, I think they're like 18, two and one since mm. uh, New Year's Day or some, some, or February 1st or something like that. Um, and it just, it really does show you that uh, the Islanders had they, um, had they found a way to put together a sh- a sh- one of their streaks uh, earlier in the season. Like they, they would have been within sh- shouting distance of the Capitals, which is a little disappointing, but. Uh, because these they do happen over the it, it's weird like you don't pay attention to a team like Boston and then because there was really no reason to they were shoe in to make the playoffs and it looked like they were going to make the this the first wild card like they were just pigeonholed into it and then all of a sudden you look check back in on them six weeks later and they're <laughs> have an outside chance a very outside chance of winning that division right and they're in the driver's seat for home ice advantage or close or at least you know on neck and neck with Toronto and Tampa Bay and then, I mean, the, the, the Islanders that, that they're the team, the Islanders, we thought the Islanders were going to be the season. Uh, and going back to that 13 game road trip when they started, well, that there was that article in Sportsnet that the guy like basically said as much, like, you're not going to pay attention to the Islanders. You're going to come up for air in April and they're just going to be there. <laughs> and they just weren't. Oops. And, yeah. They, they just, they were, uh, they, they weren't, they, the Bruins did it. You know, the, the Capitals have, have, have done it the, the the other team so it's uh it's it's a little little frustrating but um you know you do kind of, these were both kind of tip your cap games because i think the islanders were um not the bruins game was a little bit of a mess but like they were still full value i thought in tampa and, and they got beat again against tampa and they got beat so um you know not much you can say else uh otherwise uh not much more you can say about those results and it's not like the results really mattered right. there's some like things that are, are are a little irksome like i would i would when is oliver Wall- i would really like oliver wallstrom to to find his form before yeah. the season ends yeah. um because i mean going back to my point about an, an nhl season being incredibly long if you were to said in october november name the untouchable islanders wallstrom would be near the top yeah. of the list and now when Lou Lamarillo, which we'll talk about later, is talking about hockey trades, like he's one that <laughs> might make sense. Like it's yeah. it's just that's how much can change in a in in these this marathon. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll get to Walsham in a second. Uh, two quick notes about the Lightning game. Brock Nelson scored again in that game. He actually gave the Islanders a one nothing lead. Thirty first goal. He's into career high territory now, and he's been fantastic uh, throughout this whole thing. And and every time he scores, I think about. One of the worst things I've ever written, uh, which is back in 2018, uh, when Barry Trotz took over, I was like, uh, who's going to be the second line center? It's going to be Brock Nelson. God help us all. And 
he ended up being pretty darn good <laughs> over the last little while. And not that I'll ever get a chance, uh, but I almost kind of want to apologize to him for writing that three years ago. I had a whole joke set up about how the, the idiot who wrote that and then blah, 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 the idiot was me. But, uh, you know, he, he's he's played really, really well. And he's just he's just fine. Yeah, OK, fine. He's got a 22 percent shooting percentage right now. But who the hell cares? Like he's he's not it's not just luck. Like he's finding open spots. He's making it happen. He's playing very confident hockey right now, which is great. The other thing is, um, is Sorokin came out of that game mysteriously to start the third period. Uh, they have announced now that it's an upper body issue. They're going to reevaluate him before going to Columbus this week. Uh, if he is out for any length of time, they the season is done. Not not that it's not already done, but it's most definitely very yeah, much the, done. <laughs> one of the one of the main reasons to tune in is now gone. Right, like yeah, this guy's been I great. See. And that was something I was going to say about the lightning game before I, while we, while I was watching, like we'll definitely make sure to note that Sorokin is still playing well and that uh, him and Varlamov both actually are in good form yeah. right now and uh, are kind of letting, lending credence to the Islanders sticking with the two goalies, the two one, a mm. goalies um, because it just makes you that much harder to beat. Uh, then he, yeah, then he got hurt and you just, with the way the season has gone, I just was like, "What? What happened?" <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it could be a, a million different things. Right. Well, and, and it's one of those situations where you you don't want to see him get hurt, but you don't want to see him playing hurt either. Like, if right. it's anything, if it's a hangnail, just dude, just take the game off. Like, seriously, right. just don't. There's no reason to to you know chance anything, basically. Yeah, he, I mean, he was he was really good. I mean, his yeah. first save, I think, was that that Kucherov on Kucherov or early, at least early in the game, it was and great glove save and. He's just he's looked uh, every bit the the Ilya Soro- like the dominant Ilya Sorokin that we saw early in the year of the past few six weeks or so. Uh, so yeah. he's uh, he's just he's well, maybe the number one reason for <laughs> uh, to be excited for this about this team's chances next season. So yeah, when when they said he wasn't coming back, I was God damn it! If this is something <laughs> like bad, where yeah, everything is just gonna crumble. Well, also, a, I think it's the first time he's he's been hurt since he's been with the Islanders too. Yeah, so. I mean they said upper body. He took a couple of pucks in the mask, so I wonder if it was some sort of precautionary concussion protocol thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, like I don't. You know, they did say upper body. So with goalies, it's always the lower body that you worry about the groin, the hip, that kind of thing. This was upper body, so I don't know what that means particularly for goalie, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, for the rest of this week. Um, the other thing making this weekend incredibly annoying is the fact that the two previous games the Islanders played this week were pretty damn good. They uh, shut out the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday, 3-0. Uh, Varlamov was fantastic in that. It was his first shutout of the season. So you talk about him being in, in good form right now. There's no better better evidence than that. Uh, it was really good. Again, Lee, Nelson, um, Mayfield scored a really, really nice goal in that. Parisi hit the empty net. So it was a great game all around, and they followed that up with a 5-2 win over Detroit, uh, in which Sorokin was fantastic. He made 37 saves in that. We got to see a little Thomas Grice tribute video uh, for all the things that he did for the Islanders. It's the second most important poke check, I suppose, in, in Islanders history uh, was on Thomas Grice, and they played really, really well in that game, too. I know 37 saves sounds like a lot, and it is, obviously, but you know, I don't remember the Red Wings – Really having that many dangerous chances. They, they didn't have a goal until about past the midway point of the third period when Pew Suter scored uh, uh, off a, a point shot. And then Nelson answered right away. Uh, and then Sam Gagne, who, if you knew Sam Gagne was still playing in the NHL and was on the Red Wings, you're a better fan than I am. Uh, he scored really late uh, from a circle. Um, and that was about it. I mean, other than that, for, for 50 minutes of that game, the Islanders were almost in complete control. The, the Red Wings did not seem to have a whole lot of dangerous chances. Uh, the worst part of that game was that Zidane Chara had not one, but two shots at an empty net <laughs> for his first goal of the season and did not get in either. And Trot said after the game that had he scored, he would have sent everybody off the bench to, to mob him because everybody's excited. He would have taken a two minute penalty. So I thought that was kind of funny. I, I I'm of the belief that of all the things that the, the way this season has gone, I'm convinced that Chara will score his only goal of the season in the final game of the season. I think they play the Lightning. I'm going to go ahead and say that he scores in that game, and that'll be it. And we'll just, you know, as we tell the story years down the road about Char's return to the Islanders, we're going to be, and then he gets one goal, 
and it's in the final game of the season, you know, or something like that. So uh, it was uh, it was a good week for the Islanders until they played the Bruins on Saturday, yeah. and it all of a sudden wasn't a good week. So, but I mean, that's again, that's how it's gone all season. Like they they're better than these teams. They're better than the Senators. They're better than the Red Wings, who you know for a little while were ahead of them in the standings. I think they're better than the Blue Jackets, who they're going to play twice. This this upcoming week, will they win both games? I mean, I doubt it. It's two game series. I expect the Blue Jackets to to get a win or at least a couple of points here. But like, they're better than these teams. It's unfortunate though that when they play the good teams, they are not. They are not the good. The you know equally on equal footing with those teams. And again, that's going to be on Lou Lamorello to figure out how to get back there. You, you met you were talking about Nelson a little bit too, and he's when I was talking about the the national media, he's getting finally getting right his due as well which is nice to hear and people people are talking about him the way we see his game uh which is like he's actually a great center at he does everything well and his shot is obviously terrific and <laughs> has, has shown it um yeah and then him and him and anders leave clicked uh mm. in a weird way that I just don't remember them playing ever playing together before <laughs> uh, for for an extended period of time before this season uh, right. Lee, Lee, you know, Lee's been pretty much stapled to Barzell and it's been Nelson and Bailey and Beauvillier for a while, uh, as their main comrades, but, uh, that combination's working really well. And it's another one of, of, you know, this is the, the preseason for next year right now. And that's one that hopefully stays intact and is able <laughs> to carry the momentum for six months yeah. over into the next season and, and, and opens up a lot of possibilities with Barzell because, you know, then you're all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, you know, wh- who can he play with? Cause uh, you can go out and get someone or what, whatever. Um, and, and it just like kind of opens up just some, some high ceiling possibilities. And, you know, people were talking about Wallstrom. Uh, this guy needs to play with Barzell and he's been playing with them and they've been playing well, but like there's the production's not there, yeah. which is a little frustrating going back to that. But, um, and then yeah, Chara, Man, we're gonna come. We're gonna come to the end of the season, and Chara is gonna be one of you know seven Islanders who's who's probably like within the top seven of games played this season. Mm. Uh, I would say because he's he's missed a few with injury, but not that much. So he, yeah, he's he's played a, a big big role this this season, and uh, it's gonna come down to his the the intangibles that they they say he brings to the <laughs> to the to the rink and to the team. Um, which which I don't doubt at all, but you know we'll see how those things do pay off in the um, you know in, in the in the future. Uh, yeah. It does. We should mention we we say it all the time, like the, the Dobson, you know, the leap that Dobson's made. He was really good today. I thought against yeah. the Lightning, um, but the leap he's made, he's done it with Chara, mm. um, playing with Chara for most of the season. So it's it's there is maybe something weird there that that has actually worked that. We're not seeing, I guess, that I think Chara's is it's a lot easier to know that like I can like pinch in on plays and kind of take some chances because I know that he's not going to be moving because he can't he's he can't give up uh, catch up to guys on a in a foot race. But maybe that that helps Noah take some more chances. But, you know, in a season where he's been ragged a lot and he has has struggled, we should mention that he Dobson's absolute meteoric rise has, has come next to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But before I get to Wallstrom uh, talking, speaking of defense, you know, when I was watching that, that Bruins game, um, the one thing that I, th- I don't know if people talk about it that much with the Bruins is like, I really admire their, their ability and their like non-hesitation to have three guys around the net at all times, not just on the power play, but they send all three forwards to the net to crash and bang and get rebounds and stuff. And I don't know if a lot of other teams did the lightning do that too. The Islanders don't really do that that often. Um, And I think part of it is because they have guys that are defensemen who are fast enough to get back and cover a lot of ground. Should the puck squirt loose or the other team get it or something like that. And I just, I I was just, it seemed like on every play there was just a a wall of black and gold jerseys (laughs) around uh, Varlamov's crease, which uh, was like, man, that's just awesome. Like, I just like seeing that. But again, not every team can, can do that because they don't have guys that can, that can cover at the back end because if something goes wrong, well then you're got a three on two the other way. But, uh, and I agree with you. I think, I think Dobson was pretty good today. I think he's, he's 
gone a long way. I I hope that their relationship doesn't <laughs> end up with Chara re-signing with the Islanders next year. I don't think that'll happen. But you know, I, I, especially with defensemen, like they talk a lot about how it takes time. It takes time to like get up to speed and get all that stuff down so that you you just instinctively do it as opposed to thinking about it. And I think that's probably what happened with with Dobson this year. Like he's he's come up to the standard. Not not that he's at Ano Chara, but like I think that. He's taken in all of that information that I'm sure he's gotten from Chara, and it's finally actualizing now, you know, 20 games before the end of the season, but it just takes time. And, I mean, the dude's only 21, right? So, I mean, it's, it's got to be weird at first, and then all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, you start paying attention, and before you know it, you're doing it. And it's like, you know, driving a car or something like that. So uh, that is that is a cool thing that has happened, though. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you say it, and, and and we're all you know crossing our fingers that doesn't happen with Char coming back, <laughs> and we know it's not going to happen. I'm pretty sure <laughs> everybody here sees where this is going, and and uh, has been going basically for since his first shift this season. Right. Um, but the island, I've answered another important piece of next year's puzzle is who's going to play with Dobson right. because he's he's done. Re- he's he's been playing with Andy Green and. Zidane Ochara. Uh, I don't <laughs> think you're old enough to be his father. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> and, and also two guys who um, they have. I would say that there's no other skill sets in the NHL that are can that are close to Andy Green's and Zidane mm-hmm. Ochara's, and and I mean that both as a compliment and as also as that how it sounds uh, that you know Green and is for all his the things he does well which you know don't ever show up on the, the stat sheet and whatever he also isn't dynamic at all and um you could say the same about char so you know if, whoever does come in to to take on the fourth part of the the top four with dobson the islanders need to make sure it's a fit with with noah because mm. it's yeah i think we, the guy everyone's been talking about with jacob Ch- chikrin like he before the season, let's say the Islanders had traded for Chikrin, like he's the guy that the Islanders would be wanting to fit the uh, the pairing to rather than Dobson. But now it's Dobson uh, rather than Chikrin, so it it'll be a, a kind of an interesting uh, subplot to the Islanders' offseason is is who they think whose game out there, uh, whether it's a free agent or trade or someone internally which i doubt because it doesn't seem like much uh, they have much faith there but uh who, whose game can fit with with noah's growing in you know he's he's turning into a star uh mm. so uh who can who can ride shotgun with him yeah um well and you mentioned it before um wallstrom you know could i potentially i suppose be an element that could get the islanders uh, another player in a trade, Lou Lamarillo. We're going to talk in a second about how he sort of mentioned forwards being, you know, on the on the clock or under the microscope, so to speak. My thing with Wallstrom, and I, and I agree with you one hundred percent, is like he he needs to figure out what kind of player he's going to be. Like we keep hearing, oh, while he's got the big shot, he like he's a shooter, he likes to shoot. That's great, but like, what else can you do out there? And and he has played well, I think, with Barzell and Parisi. I think there is some budding chemistry there. Um, but when they scored in the game against the Red Wings uh, with Barzell kind of, you know, powering through some defenders and, and getting into the Red Wing zone and then dropping it back for Wallstrom, who then just rifled it on net, I I messaged you like, it's about effing time. Like, <laughs> this is exactly the kind of play that we want to see from these guys. And, it, you know, here I am giving the defenseman the benefit of the doubt. I, I feel like with the forwards – they don't get as much benefit of the doubt. Like we've wanted to see this pairing. We've wanted to see the, these two guys on the line together. We're getting that now. They are playing okay. They're they're playing as defensively responsible for the most part as Trotz wants them to. But you know they they need to produce. And and it's been a down year for for Barzell. There's some some writer from Detroit who keeps making these tweets talking about how you know the Islanders should trade Barzell because his numbers are down and and you know they could trade him for Philip Heronic or or Tyler Bertuzzi bro nobody wants to your garbage like we don't want these guys on our team we want Matt Barzal I don't care what his numbers are this guy's the face of the franchise why are they going to trade him for a bunch of no name red wings I just I just don't understand but this is the kind of troll 
garbage that you have to deal with when you're an Islanders fan. But in any event, um, that's the kind of play that these guys really should be able to pull off. And and with Parisi on the other side being the corner guy and being the net front guy, you, you'd think that they would be able to produce some more points than they have, but they haven't yet. Maybe it will happen at some point. But you know, the thing about Wallstrom is, again, he, he should really take a, a page out of Dobson's book. And just sort of like taking that information and make it, you know, an instinctual thing. Because I think right now he's got a little too much Josh Bailey in him. He's thinking a little bit too hard and he's just being too hesitant and he's not doing what he needs to do. And like he had a, he had one shot on goal, I think, in the Tampa game today and it went wide. And it's like, okay, well, that, that happens. But like, now what? Now what are you going to do? Like, you, that's not your one thing this game. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep going. And I, he was very, very quiet against the Lightning today. And, He's just got to figure out what kind of player he's going to be. If he's going to be just a big, a big shot guy, okay. Well, then how do we figure that out? To you know, in conjunction with the other guys, or maybe they trade for somebody who's got some more skills, and then you can't be like, well, he, you know, he only has this one thing to deliver. He hasn't even delivered on that one thing. He was like you said, he was leading the, the team in goals for about a month and a half this season, and since then he's kind of you know, sort of receded into the background a little bit. So, I mean, I, I'm not too worried about him. Again, he's a very young guy. I think he likes playing with Barzell. I think Barzell likes playing with him. But, you know, we we expected more from these guys, and they're just not giving it to us right now. And and I want to see more of that. Like, again, that goal against the Red Wings. That was, that was a great goal. Like, I just I didn't want to see that, you know, three or four times a week as opposed to once uh, right. for a season, basically. Yeah, he, he. I mean, the first month of the season, he was – Yeah. Doing the he he was turning himself into, uh, you know the, the that type of big bodied power forward type that has a shot, um, and now he looks more like Mike Kaufman, like, <laughs> which is great. You can you can make a hell of a career doing sure. that, just having a great being a power play specialist, and you, you'll just kind of make your way around the league on two, one or two year deals, and people always want to trade for you at the trade deadline to inject their <laughs> team with offense. But uh, th- he was. Much, much better than that. And mm. I, I mean, I came against Chicago. I remember him just being an absolute force. And that I think that game was on national TV. And the, whoever was calling it, they were talking about how he's he looks like he's arrived. And I think everyone was in agreement there that he truly did. And he kind of carried that going going into until the shit really hit the fan with the whole team, I guess mm. you could say. And he, he never really came out of that funk. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's been fits and starts with him. Uh, so I, I mean I I think it's a good problem to have that he's still there's still uh, he's on the team and it's not mm. like he, the Islanders don't have a decision to make with him in terms mm. of the contract or whatever and if they do trade him and it, it, he he's got a lot of value I think as a as a young forward who's already scored a, a, a decent amount of goals and has shown a lot of offensive upside so uh, but yeah the Barzell thing so his name's like come up. A, a, not just that 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 one that one was hilarious the <laughs> that trade deadline because my favorite part was that whoever that writer was in Detroit then he he like tweeted out a picture of a chart yeah and was like see it's not that crazy he's like right you know the at, at first it was it was like a meme of you know the game isn't played on a spreadsheet but it's completely flipped where people are making charts for everything and you're like well the game is not played on a, a, a spreadsheet it turns out and uh as we do learn a lot from these stats and, can, and they're useful but uh, <laughs> i don't think that chart's gonna really show how much better of a player than todd bertuzzi that matt barzell is and uh <laughs> he, he was like uh adding athletic writers and being like can you tell these people i'm not crazy yeah <laughs> now you that was a bad one man but yeah. uh and then but elliot freeman had mentioned this one kind of scared me because on 32 thoughts, they were talking about the Islanders trade deadline inactivity and that the only reason that Barzell would be available is if they don't think that they can resign which I don't think is going to be the case. And mm. I think it's a very, very big long shot, but it just, it, because of what happened with Tavares and because mm. of yeah, wh- where the Islanders were for most of my life, it, it does just send a shiver up your spine when you hear something like that with, with, with any star player. Um, but uh, I do, I, the reason I wanted to bring it up was just because like his name, I think his name actually will get mentioned more than you, you'd think uh, during this off season and that kind of thing uh, in, in that kind of just throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks mm. way. And, and the point is that 
don't overreact to it because like it, it would be really shocking and disappointing if yeah uh anything if, if, if it even gets any further than that like that like <laughs> oh no like there is like a little bit of smoke here yeah um yeah i mean again like you, you just said it perfectly like those charts can illuminate a lot of stuff but they can't tell you that like there's literally posters of this guy around the arena. He's like on their Instagram all the time. Like it's just, there's stuff way beyond that, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think any, any play, I mean, even Jacob Trickman, like I still don't understand why the coyotes would want to trade him. He's locked up. I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, we don't, we don't need to worry about that. He's also going to be an RFA. They're not dumb. Like they know they're going to have to pay this guy a lot of money. So I, I wouldn't worry about that too much. But um, let, let's pause there, and we'll come back on the other side, and we'll talk about um, moves that the Islanders maybe could make in the offseason, as Lou Lamorello has basically said that he's in the market for some hockey trades. Uh, and we'll uh, critique Lou's uh, fashion sense uh, on an MSG uh, interview he did with uh, Shannon Hogan. So uh, don't miss that, because that'll be a lot of fun. All right? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor T-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. There's a new code, so pay attention. The code is Long Island, all one word, and that can save you 10% off anything in the store. So... Go to vintageicehockey.com, put in the code Long Island uh, in the purchase screen, and you can save yourself 10%. Uh, Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play Big Pick for free anywhere in the U.S. or play for real. Residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. You can click the link in the podcast description to join. It must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at your local wine shop and at UBS Arena. Please play and drink responsibly. So last week we went over the trade deadline. Uh, we hadn't had a chance to really watch Lou Lamorello's press availability or he listened to the one on the Islander site. He did that and then he followed it up with uh, an interview with Shannon Hogan on MSG Network. Um, in this this interview thing, before we get any further, I just want to say Lou looked like a funeral director. He was wearing a black suit with a black tie. I don't know who who makes the decisions on this. It's probably Lou. I'm sure his wife has some input as well. Maybe it's the Islanders, you know, PR staff. If could somebody please, and I'm asking very respectfully, could you please gently and and kindly and respectfully tell Lou that he really should avoid the black suit, black tie combo because he ends up looking like a funeral director. And please don't sit near any flowers because that's the other thing too. Like he got the black suit <laughs> on know. and he's sitting with the flowers there. Like, dude, it looks it looks like you're at a funeral here. And I didn't mean to. I'm not, uh, you know, he's an 80-year-old man. I get it. I'm just saying. there. It's 2022. Like, we don't need to wear black black suit, black tie. There's a lot of other tie options out there for you. So, please. I'm not saying I'm not asking him to come out like like RuPaul in, like, a bright yellow, you know, suit with, like, a with like a, a puffy bow tie or anything. Like that. Don't, don't do that. I'm just saying don't wear black black suit, tie and black suit. Anyway, I'd rather get that off my chest. Um the substance of what he said in both of these these availabilities is is interesting, and you know, Lou, we, we've talked about this a million times. Like, Lou doesn't say a lot, but he what he says kind of matters. And the big takeaway from this was that he's going to investigate trades, and they're going to be hockey trades, and he's looking primarily at forwards. Now, he basically said that the team's strength is in goal. That's why he didn't want to trade Simeon Varlama because you take 
part of that shrink away. And yeah, maybe you get a forward, but like you're you might be creating a hole where once you had a strength. I would also amend that to say that one of the Islander strengths is down the middle. They have four good centers, Barzell, Nelson, Pajot, and Sezikis. That's pretty darn good. So I can't imagine any of those guys really moving. They're all locked up for a long time, or Barzell's case, he will be locked up for a long time. And again, on defense, you know, you've got three guys right up front that are all really good, Pelic, Pollock, and Dobson. You know, Mayfield is also pretty good. There was some trade chatter about him, but that's mainly because he's not really making all that much. He's due for a big contract next year, so that might play into into Lou's thoughts. But to me, that he's talking about wingers, and he's talking about guys that that need to step up. I can't imagine Kyle Palmieri gets moved with what he's making now. I just that unfortunately leaves Anthony Beauvillier, it leaves Josh Bailey, it leaves Kiefer Bellows for what it's worth, it leaves Wallstrom. Again, Parisi's already re-signed. Uh, I don't know what they can get for that, but that's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, I don't know. It's really, really interesting. But one thing that Lou also said, I found really, and this might just be kind of PR speak. I get it. He's a GM, but like, he was like, just because we stood pat doesn't mean that we're satisfied. Like this has been a very unsatisfying season. A lot of guys haven't done what, what we expected them to do. And you get the sense that he really hates the word stamp pat. And he definitely hates the phrases buyers and sellers because he talked about that. <laughs> and I get and I get why. Like it's it reduces this, you know, you're selling, you're just basically, you know, it reduces these guys to to products, which is not great. And if you're buying, you're not really buying anything. Like you're trading some sort of capital for guys that you hope can help you in the playoffs. So I mean, again, that might be a lot of marketing speak, but at the end of the day, um, I, I thought what he said was interesting. Again, he didn't say much, but I thought what he said was pretty interesting. And, you know, if they go into the season next year without having made any trades over the summer and it's the same crew, I think people will have a legitimate beef. You know, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they have to make some upgrades. It's going to have, they're going to have to sign some dudes, particularly on defense, but like we're all now on trade watch basically. And that might happen during the draft. Um, but, you know, that's, that's his path now. And, I'm really interested to see who goes and who comes back because I don't know who could go. Like it's a very short list. Right. Uh, unless something comes out of nowhere, in which case, you know, we'll all be in shock. <laughs> we'll all be like, Oh, what are we going to do now? But I, that to me, you know, I get when he says that about Varlamov, I got it. Like I was like, yeah, you're right. I, why would you want to do that? Cause they ain't taking Peter Mrazek back. Like, let's just be honest. If they're going <laughs> to trade him to the Leafs, they're going to want to give Mrazek back. We don't want Mrazek. Cause then your strength becomes not a strength. But then how do you turn your weaknesses into strengths? I don't know. So that's why he's the GM, I guess. Yeah, it's I think that the key thing is what you said. It's it's um there there really seems to be a short short list here of mm-hmm. um removable players. assets. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- I mean there, <laughs> this kind of goes back to what you know we talk about all the time with this team is 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 that the Islanders have been been together for so long this group and uh you don't want any any of them to go and then you realize that to get better someone probably has to and and it becomes a different you look at it from a different angle but um yeah i mean it's 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 the the bobillier bailey bellows um and then the the problem is that you're, you're up basically you need to upgrade on both of those guys, and, and you can you make an argument that Bovillier can be his own upgrade. Like with a better season, we've seen him have you know flashes. He looked like he was going to be on his well on his way to being a twenty goal scorer um, this season, and didn't. And, and he's got a penchant for big goals, and which is always nice. And the Islanders in my life have always been short on those guys. Uh, <laughs> I think before he scored before, nine seconds into that game against the Red Wings, so yeah, yeah. he can be his own upgrade for sure. <laughs> and then the. Uh, I, I I remember when him and you know Everly too. Mm-hmm. I think is, was a, was very clutch. Uh, would just find a pop up in, in big moments and before those two guys and and not including uh, Tavares because he he sort of did it, but he's different because he was a star. Uh, but like those guys who have like they're good players, they're they're bit part players, and then they just find a way to elevate their game. Um, kind of like how Pajot did with the, the Senators, he, he, and, mm. and to some extent with us. But I think the last one I could think of with with the Islanders, I guess, was Jason Blake. Like it's, I can't remember another kind of like clutch guy who who 
you just felt like he stepped up in in big games uh but uh, that's for a different time or maybe no other time to discuss <laughs> uh but uh yeah it, it, it's it's and the thing with bailey and bovillier is they're making similar money it's bailey's five bovillier's 4.15 the islanders for next year will have going into the offseason will have 12.2 million dollars of cap hit so all these in, ingredients kind of just point to them being like the most logical uh situation and then you know bellows i think like we're it's fresh start territory for him <laughs> uh he's definitely got very little trade value but he's in terms of if you're building a trade you're not gonna build a trade around key bellows but you definitely can put him in a trade to juice up the package a little bit uh to teams who have the the time to see if he can become a consistent nhl scorer um and then, yeah, I mean, then, then, like you said, it's, it seems pretty clear that Varlamov is not going anywhere. Mayfield will remain interesting because the Islanders are so set on their right side, and it's really the left side of the defense that that they need to figure out. And their two best defensive prospects, uh, Robin Sallow and Samuel Bolduc, are both uh, they play on the left. So it's neither one of them have have really grabbed the bull by the horns. It looked like Sallow was kind of on his way to doing it, then had some growing pains, but uh, the. the they need to, you know, fill those two spots, and it's really with twelve point two million dollars, and then you you assume four goes to Dobson. You're looking at eight point two. So, yeah, like you said, you got to clear another three or four at least uh, if you want to upgrade if up up front and obviously fill out the defense without having to resort back <laughs> to bringing back Andy Green and and Zdeno Charas because they're just going to be making the minimum. Um, so it's it's really strange watching those two players, Bailey and Beauvillier right now, uh, because I mean, they're human beings. So I'm sure they, they, they know this and heard what Lou said, and they know that they're probably the, the most likely candidates to, to make room. And, you know, that's for, for, for different reasons, that's gotta be really tough. Like Bailey, he's been here, his whole career has been here for 15 years. And <laughs> which is crazy to think I, about with I 14 just, years. I, I, but that's the thing. Like, I can't see anybody trading for Josh Bailey right. when he's going to like pass yeah, he, a thousand games as an Islander. I, I, I wouldn't think of it as a, as Bailey being traded for someone more as like Bailey being like almost like the Nick Letty kind of situation. Yeah. Whereas like you move Bailey in a separate move. Hmm. Um, Beauvillier is a different story. Yeah, you, you would he would be part of something for someone. Uh, yeah. So that's how I had think of it. Like we're not Bailey. Bailey is not going to be traded to uh, for Vigeny Malkin. Like you know, it's like it's Bailey's. <laughs> it's ba- Bailey will be uh, would be in a a trade where you 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 pay someone to take the cap hit with a yeah. second round pick or first round pick or whatever, and and then you use that money to to make a splash somewhere else. Uh, whereas Beauvillier would be uh, for it's yeah. like the the main part of a package. Yeah, and actually, now that you think about it, now that you've said it with Mayfield, I wonder if he gets traded for like another defenseman, very similar to to himself, only playing on the other side, of, right? You know, that kind of thing. But again, like it's tough because these guys have been together for so long. Like, and actually, yeah. uh, Travis Yost uh, tweeted a, a really interesting chart I thought the other day had nothing to do with like sort of stats or anything, but it was it was about sort of team turnover basically over the last, I think it was five years, maybe maybe eight years, and. The Senators far and away have had the most players over the course of, <laughs> of that time. They just, it's like a revolving door of guys. And, and I mean, we've all, Peugeot obviously was one of them that got left and he got traded. Well, he got traded for picks, but like Mark Stone got traded for a bunch of prospects. Carlson got traded for a bunch of prospects. All that, you know, Matt Duchesne came and went. Like, you know, do you remember, does anybody else remember the Matt Duchesne Senators era? No? Well, yeah, because it just kind of <laughs> happened. Um, and Kyle Turris had to ship out, you know, so was, you could almost name them. And on the other end of the spectrum, right next to the Kraken, who of course don't have that much, you know, history to draw from, were the Islanders. Like they're just they have had the least amount of turnover over the course of the you know, that that chart, I guess it was five or eight years. And and again, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Like we've seen all these guys. This is again why it's annoying when people are like, I don't know any of these people on the Islanders. Well, then you just haven't been paying attention. Like these guys, they haven't changed. It's the same guys. <laughs> and uh and, you know, I had replied to him and he was like, I think, you know, that the fact that you're that far under the standard deviation might mean that you might be a little bit on the conservative side. And I was like, you know, 
tell me you have an 80 year old GM without telling me you have an 80 year old GM. Like they are conservative, but you know, in fairness, like when Barry Trotz came here with that crew, they were immediately successful or not, maybe not immediately, but like by the end of that season, they were hugely successful and had the best season this team had had since, you know, 1983. So, I mean, that's, that's why they're still here. Had they not had that season, I think a lot of them would have already been gone already, but now they're ensconced uh, to use uh, George Costanza's word. And it, it's tough. So I, I, you know, in a way here we are talking about, you know, Bovillier or Bailey or uh, you know, even, even Bellows, like if any of those guys go, it's still almost a little bit shocking. Even if we know they're kind of maybe on the block or not, not so much on the block, but like potentially in the block, it would be kind of weird to see. The other thing, though, that that it made me that I thought about after listening to Lou talk about this is that it's not even that the guys who are here, you know, need to be moved or whatever. I think, and we don't talk about this that often, but like I think one of the big failings of this administration has been the 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 on the development side. Like they've traded quite a number of first round picks over the last couple of years. Obviously one, you know, one went for Palmieri and slash Zajac. One went for Pajot. Um, they, they did, they, you know, they've only really taken in the last five years, Simon Holmstrom, Dobson and Wallstrom in the first round. And and that was about it. I mean, Aturati fell to them in the second round, which was great, but you know, he's still a couple of years away. And so on one hand, they've, they've traded a lot of those guys, but they haven't like the guys that they've used, those picks on in the third, fourth, later rounds, they haven't exactly lit the world on fire so far. William Dufour is having an insane season in the QMJHL, which a lot of guys have insane seasons in the QMJHL. That's what, that's what it's there for. It's always been like that. And he's an older guy. He's much bigger than everybody else. So, of course, he's having an insane season. And, and we'll have to see how that translates uh, as he gets older. I don't know if he's eligible for the AHL next year. I think he might be. Um and so, you know, he's one guy to watch, but a lot of these guys are just, you know, European guys. We don't see that often. You know, Sallow got a little bit of a, a run this year, and he looked okay for the most part, but he got sent back to Bridgeport and really hasn't looked okay since then by Barry Trotz's own admission. So, you know, to me, that that's sort of the bigger issue. It's not so much that these guys haven't gotten it done this year because, again, a lot of signs point to just being an anomaly. But the fact that there's really nobody in the minors sort of knocking on the door to move these guys out. Bull Duke might be one uh, Again, Salo might be another one, but we don't know. That's about it. I mean, Holmstrom seemed to kind of come on a little bit this year, but he's still a long way away and who knows what he's going to be. And so they don't have those guys sort of pushing, pushing the other guys out. So you could trade a Beauvillier recoup some picks or maybe get a, you know, a different player that you don't have. And then you could replace him with somebody coming up from the AHL. That's not going to happen. And that's that kind of creeps this creates this cycle of like, well, who are we going to move? Well, I don't know. I mean, then what happens? Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just don't know because it's really you know in Bridgeport they're you know they're kind of on the verge of a playoff spot, which is kind of nice to know. But I mean, that's I mean, who is coming up? Oh, by the way, I just found out this week Michael Dal Cole is actually f- playing for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. I did not know that he uh, he's been playing there this whole time. So he's right, right <laughs> under our nose. Michael, we're glad you're okay. And we're glad you're playing for Bridgeport. Yeah, can't wait to see you next year back yeah. in your same role, whatever <laughs> role, you know. But uh, but that's yeah. exactly the point. Like, is he though? Like, I don't even know. Like, what is he? We don't even know. How is he going to help this team right now? I have no idea. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, and I think, you know, what? which this is what you kind of get for um, doing – for, for for doing what the Islanders did, which was you know just right, k- getting as many kicks at the can as possible, and and like it's the season sucks, but it, it could <laughs> turn into a little blessing in disguise, um, in the long run that they they do have uh, you know, an opportunity to to replenish uh their cupboard a little bit because they have a first round pick, they had a second round pick, they have a third round pick, um. I think then like two more in the later round. So it's, 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 it feels like as much as they've had since uh, their best draft setup that they've had since uh, Trotz's first year uh, or Lamarillo's first year, which is when they got Dobson and uh, Wallstrom. So they have everything but a fourth rounder and a seventh rounder. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a good opportunity in that way. And, and it, they, that's why I wasn't as uh, up in arms about them not, 
getting more uh, draft picks in the at the deadline. Like you don't you didn't need to get a one off fourth round pick for for <laughs> Cal Clutterbuck, <Cal> <laughs> yeah. right? Like you just it didn't it wasn't going to probably move the needle enough um, to make it worth it. Uh, but you, I mean, it's true. Like the the Islanders have like Simon Holstrom to me is really interesting because I feel like with let's think about the Leafs for a second. You hear about Leafs prospects, and I know this is uh, apples and oranges, chalk and cheese kind of thing. But when you compare the Islanders to the Leafs in the media coverage, but you, I know, right? The Leafs ten best prospects, and I and I know where they are <laughs> because they're mentioned on every podcast. They're mentioned on every you know in the Athletic all the time, whatever. Like I know who they are. But meanwhile, like Simon Holmstrom was drafted in the first round, two thousand nineteen. I want to say 2000. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he's been three three years, uh, came over. And I remember people, you know, there was a little bit of, um, you know, they were, they, people write, wrote about and, and kind of evaluated. He, he was coming over early to, to play in North America and Bridgeport early and to get used to the game. And that was interesting. And then you just haven't heard much. And he's, he's like putting up decent point totals, I think, in Bridgeport uh, this season. But nobody's writing about him or, or, or evaluating the Islanders prospect pool outside of once a year, Corey Primeman or Scott Wheeler tells you that the Islanders have a bad prospect pool yeah. <laughs> in a very like parachute down way. Like where, um, I don't know, you know, if, if Kevin Kurz or Andrew Gross want to maybe take a trip down to Bridgeport and, and have a chat and see or, or talk to some prospect people about where these guys are at. Cause I've got no idea. Like, you right. know, and, um, but the fact that we don't probably bodes tells you that you know Simon Holmstrom probably isn't going to be on the uh, opening day <laughs> roster next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and that's the th- the thing is that's not going to change this summer. The Islanders aren't going to all of a sudden uh, have they, they'll draft this draft and they'll, they have like you said a two ratus looks like he's a, a blue chipper for the future and hopefully you know, maybe it is next year. But I would I would guess with the way that this uh, regime kind of handles prospects that you have much more of a chance of seeing Andy Green on the opening <laughs> night roster than than A2 Ratu, which is just who who this kind of regime is. And um, but you're you're right, like they do, they need to. If um, this thing could go pear shaped, very very pear shaped, pretty quickly if if they don't um, if they don't restock the cupboard, it feels almost like the um, this the the year the Bill Guerin John Sim. Ruslan Fedotenko <laughs> year where they the Islanders they they did their best to to give it one more shot and uh they they fell short because DiPietro got hurt and uh they just didn't have enough in the tank to to make a shot at the, make a run at the playoffs and all of a sudden they're like we don't have we're, we're in a lot of trouble um <laughs> so they they just decided to commit to the draft and that's when they drafted Bailey and Hamannick and then obviously the year after Tavares and Dahan and Right. So so on and so forth, but um, th- that year is coming. It's probably not. I, it would all. It's not this one. It's it could be ne- at the next year if if, if they they fail to contend again. But uh, I'd like to avoid that. Yeah, <laughs> and right. I think everybody would. Like you, you want it to be a seamless kind of thing where, uh, like the Lightning, they these guys are kind of you just drafting well, and all of a sudden Ross Colton is here, and nobody right. knows who Ross Colton is except for in the middle of the playoffs everyone finds out who he is because he's really good and you fa- you, you were able to draft and yeah. develop him while still contending um so you yeah. know those guys they need yeah. to you're right like they they need to find a way to find those guys yeah that and that's why i get a little annoyed and i know like in my brain that these guys almost very rarely pan out but it does annoy me when the islanders really aren't in on like the ncaa free agents or even like the ahl free agents like Carter Verhage is a first liner for the Panthers this year, and he was an Islander for a while because he was like a minor league call up guy for ten teams: <laughs> the Leafs, the Lightning, uh, prior to this year. And now he's playing with Alexander Barkov, and he's been fantastic. And I was playing with Claude Giroux and Alexander Barkov. So I mean, like, I just I kind of feel like they're not really putting the resources into that sort of stuff. And I mean, again, like the NCAA stuff. I mean, if you can name one successful person outside of Jimmy VC that has come from, you know, been the NCAA free agent, and I guess John Marino was another one, but like that doesn't really work out that often. But at the same time, knowing how thin the Islanders are in the minors really kind of, I, I want to see more 
resources put towards that. And like, so to make them like kind of almost like the, the way the Leafs are, where you're always hearing about these guys and you're always like listening to, you know, people talking about how, oh, they're going to sign this guy. Not even just the Leafs too. Like the Habs do it too. Like the Habs always have a bunch of guys that are coming out and like, you know, they're going to sign this guy. Oh, I've heard the Montreal Canadiens going to sign this guy. And then they do and everybody gets all crazy and then they play like five games in the, end <laughs> of the year and they score a goal and it becomes a whole big thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's Jack Hillen. Where's our, we need our Jack Hillen yeah. <laughs> this for this year. That's, that's what they right. need. But, but uh, the yeah. other thing too, though, uh, that you just brought up, and that's another thing I want to get to with with respect to what Lou was talking about, is that you know people were at first were like, "That's you know why would they give Clutterbuck two years? I don't understand. You know he's going to be thirty seven or whatever." Um, the I think the point is that I, I think I heard this someplace else, and again, it might have been again through the through the Island podcast, or it might have been Nassau Men. I'm not sure, um, but uh, you know I think. Cal is looking at two years. I think if this team isn't a contender again in those two years, I think that's when you get to what you were just talking about, which is that like, you know, now we're going all draft and they start to, you know, basically trade off everybody that's not nailed down, pick up a bunch of draft picks and start over again. How that's going to work out for Matt Barzell who's going to be an RFA at that time. I don't know how that's going to work with Barry Trotz. Right. Uh, at that time, I don't know, but uh, you know, th- there. I think there is some logic to that, like that two-year window now. Not so much just with Kyle Clutterbuck, but like that two-year window now becomes like an actual thing. And if they're not, you know, a Cup winner in the next two years, or at least a finalist, you know, that's when they they sort of press the the eject button and it becomes a whole new franchise at that point. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, uh, you know this this year is kind of. I said this about a game early in the year. It is a, the Florida two-step when they uh, were like f- five, four, and two mm. uh, to end the to, towards the end of that road trip. And uh, I said that like you know that the Panthers game isn't a must. W- the, the Panthers game is only a must-win game if you don't want tomorrow's game to be a must-win. And um, <laughs> that's kind of how the season was. Like this isn't as much pressure as there was because their expectations were high. They were always going to get the second chance here. So like next season is there's a lot of pressure. Like there's a ton of pressure because of what you just said. Barzell's contract comes up. He's an RFA. Um, we don't know. We, all we know is that Barry Trotz is signed to a contract for next season. That's all we've been told. And uh, but it seems to be that he's a five year deal. And would he want to uh, be part of an, an Islanders rebuild from the start? Uh, I don't know. And you can't blame him one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, and if you know, if if let's say uh, the Flyers are a couple years ahead, if or Buffalo, whatever, like if there will be jobs out there, and everyone will be throwing a lot of money at them. Uh, so there's that, but like, so that's why next year there's a ton of pressure, and there's a ton of pressure on them this off season to to find a way to to upgrade this team, and they're they're really and that like you said, like it is kind of like a a top to bottom upgrade that's needed. And that that sounds like an overhaul, but that's not what I mean. I mean, like they need to like upgrade at the top of the organization, and they need to find a way to like upgrade at the bottom, uh, with with their like organizational depth with these with young players and and getting it right in the draft and all that. Because if they don't, yeah, you're looking at another kind of painful few years after that. And <laughs> what what better way to open a new building than like the first five <laughs> or six years? Like look look what happened with Detroit, right? Like, uh. Little Caesars and. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's true. I thought about that. Yeah, it's uh, but the 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 good news is, and and I think this has been kind of like a dour few few minutes here. But the good news is that like their their positions of strength are 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 true truly like elite level strengths. Like within with goaltending, the right side of their defense, Pelic Dobson Mayfield put that against anybody uh, in the league, and then one of those pairs is already set with Pelic and Pulak, who have shown to be one of the best pairs in the league already. And then, like you said, down the middle, Barzell and Nelson are both number one centers at this point, uh, especially with you know, Brock has proven, proven that. And I think you can say Pajot and Sezikis would both be number three centers on most, most teams as well. So there there are strength, positions of strength, and they already have kind of their their middle six scoring depth set, set with, with Lee, Palmieri, Perisi, uh and and Wallstrom, Bovillier, Bailey, whoever sticks around, like so, the, what it really is like that. Truly, at the top of the the, the roster uh, that that needs an upgrade, and the very bottom, which needs an infusion. And 
that's it's going to be a tricky dance but this these if if this project is truly going to be like a successful long-term thing which is what it's been on track for it's uh that's what they need to do otherwise we won't be I think me and you probably a lot of fans thought like, well, we're going to be like the Penguins. We're going to be good, you know, every year and or the, the Lightning or the Capitals. We're just going to be the roster turnover. It's going to be not a big deal because we'll be able to get these guys in uh, and they'll just be able to step up to the plate and produce. And there's a big difference between being like what the Penguins have been and the Capitals have been. Uh, the Lightning have been for the last decade. The Bruins have been for mm-hmm. the last decade uh, and what the, uh, you know, the other teams that have kind of had flash in the pan runs the the Panthers for example like a couple, remember a couple of years ago when we beat them in the playoffs it looked like they were on the right path and then they were off in a few years before that like they played play the Devils in the playoffs and it looked like oh they're on their way to doing mm-hmm. something and so there's a big difference between just like having a, a year or two a blip of or or four of years of success <laughs> compared to what we've seen from the these elite franchises which we all thought we were heading towards um and it would be a little disappointing if 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 we're not, I agree. <laughs> it would be, but yeah, it is. It is dour, but at the same time, uh, somewhat hopeful. I think. Um, uh, I we completely forgot to to mention the dourest note of all. Probably is that Clutterbuck is out for the season, and Scott Mayfield is out for several weeks. Effectively, <laughs> also out for the season, uh, which you know happened right after uh, Clutterbuck signed that extension. I guess they both maybe blocked shots, and Mayfield I think blocked a shot at the end of that that senators game. So, you know, and, and, and obviously they're both losses, particularly on the penalty kill. But as we saw this weekend, as we said at the first half hour of the show, didn't really change all that much. <laughs> it's still the same team, you know, uh, losing to the good teams and beating the, the bad team. So, um, but you know, they'll be back next year and, and hopefully uh, good and healthy. So there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's about it. Uh, we covered a lot. We won't talk about Lou Lamarillo's press conference and the trade deadline next week. I promise you, whatever we end up talking about, it won't be, it won't be that we'll move on to something else. Um, but uh, yeah, this week is back to back games against the blue jackets on Tuesday and Thursday. And then it's uh, I just had this up. Hold on one second. Um, then it's the Rangers on Friday and the Devils on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, that'll that'll be a lot of fun, basically. So that Thursday, Friday is a back to back. And the second one's at the Garden. And then they play the Devils at four o'clock on Sunday. So there you go. Uh, hopefully, you know, they can. I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't like rooting for losses, but I don't like to watch my team lose either. So uh, hopefully at least they play well and they do their thing as normal. Uh, so that'll be fun to watch the last game against the Rangers. Uh, people tell me it was actually very good. Uh, in the meantime, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. Pretty much up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. If you haven't listened to our Weird Islanders episode about the great Wade Dublowitz, you definitely should. We had a great talk with our friend Joe Buono about it. It was awesome. Check it out. And uh, we're already uh, on uh, are working on our next episode. So that'll be a lot of fun in a couple of weeks. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lee Basket with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Uh, he has the Wonder Goal he, uh, podcast. He has Line Change uh, the podcast. Check them both out. I try and retweet them. Uh, wh- when's the next one coming out? Line Change is Monday, right? It'll be you know recorded uh, Monday night for Tuesday and Thursday. So yeah, so check those yeah. out and uh, playoffs are coming. So time time to win some money. The NCAA tournament's almost over. So if you've been yeah. w- winning money there, you'll want to turn your attention to the. Uh, the NHL playoffs. And uh, that's about it. So we'll be back next week. Maybe after the devil's game, maybe Monday. We'll see. Uh, see how, how things go, but uh, should be an interesting one. All, all Metro games this week. So uh, they're going to mean something regardless of, <laughs> of the, uh, the outcome. So enjoy. And I uh, will talk to you again later. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.